Oh, because you're talking about Dog WebMD, right. Oh, hello, and welcome to Good Bad Show. My name is Andy. And I'm Matt. And this is a podcast where every once in a while I show up a little bit late and very, very, very wet. Because you were swimming home. That would be interesting. I would like a swim commute, I feel like. I feel like that would be my ideal morning exercise if I could just get up, roll out of bed, and dive into a nice pool and like do some laps. Yeah. That would be great, right? What if you just lived on an island and that had to be your commute? You either get a boat or you swim to work. Do you think anybody's ever done a, a swim commute for any period of time? Like, not as a novelty, like, not like, ha, 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 I swam to work, but like somebody that was like, you know what? You know, if I just swam across the East River or whatever, it would be faster. What if your job involves being in the water? Like, you know, those like swim, swim up bars, for example? <laughs> well, those people have to swim to work. How else are they going to get to that bar? <laughs> yeah. So maybe, maybe they have a job that involves being in the water the whole time. And they have to. I love the idea of some fancy hotel building a swim up bar and then realizing, wait a minute. There's no way to get to the bar without swimming through the pool. Sorry, bartenders. <laughs> Usually you would build this in a way that there's a back entrance and you can just walk right in. But we're idiots and we yeah, didn't think about like that. Like one so. side of it is swim up and the other <laughs> side is just a normal bar. It's a swim up bar in the center of the pool. It's a circle. Well, there we, we go. We solved this. it. You found yeah. perfect evidence that clearly some people swim to work because, I mean, you have to. Yeah, what else are you supposed to do when you design it so poorly like that? Yeah. So anyway, you were swimming to your no, job in the middle of a pool. Rain. Okay. We don't record this podcast in the middle of a pool. Oh, that would be interesting, though. What if? Yeah, yeah. The, the podcasting equipment would get damaged every time. It would never come out. Did you, uh, did you ever listen to the podcast Cool Games, Inc.? Cool Games, Inc. That sounds familiar. Is that like a uh, Polygon podcast or something? It was a Polygon podcast featuring Griffin McElroy and the now uh, fallen from grace uh, Nick. Uh, what's his name? Doesn't matter. He's the he got trying to be a jerk, so we don't have to remember his name. But okay. uh, but they had a podcast, but it's made at video games. But they did have a tradition of every time they had every time during E three, the week of E three, when they had to record an episode, they would do it from the hot tub at their hotel at E three. Okay. <laughs> after drinking a lot of beers, and those were always pretty good podcast episodes. Maybe we should do this from a pool. I don't know. We could do it from a hot tub, cold tub, whatever kind of tub. Yeah, any kind of tub. Well, I think it's a terrible idea, but I'm willing to try it. And that's what our episode is about tonight, Matt. Doing stuff while wet. Um, well, you, all right, you tell me. We'll see how this goes. No, that's not what it's about at all. I know. I, ju- I got you again. You're so gullible. You could just talk about, here's the problem. Like, I knew you weren't serious, but also, like, you could talk about anything. I'll go with did, it. Did you I'm not going to say did no. Did you know I wasn't serious? I did know you were not serious. Because I've talked about some pretty dumb stuff on here. Oh, yeah, that's for sure. Okay, well, tonight I want to talk about one of the most profound loves of my life. And it is a love I came to relatively late in life. But, Matt, I want to talk about some spreadsheets. Oh, okay. Sure. What's your favorite spreadsheet? You like a Google Sheet? You like an Excel? You like a Numbers? I, bas- I basically, like, I did not... I give a sense of talking to some of my other nerdy friends that lots of people had this experience in childhood where they would, like, be playing on their family's computer and discover Excel and, like, make some spreadsheets for fun. This was never okay. my experience. I remember occasionally accidentally opening Excel and being like, what is this? This seems like no fun. I'm going to leave. And that was how I related to spreadsheets when I was growing up. So, and then I didn't, I had no reason ever. I've never had any reason to professionally or as part of my studies make a spreadsheet for anything. Like no one ever said make a spreadsheet and turn it in next week or something. It was never an assignment I had. So I basically like started using Google Sheets every once in a while to like, put stuff that needed to be stored in spreadsheet form somewhere 
Uh, and then as I've gotten more savvy with spreadsheets, I've made all kinds of different spreadsheets for all kinds of different things. And it's just like, it's like one of the best. It's it, To me, it's like, it's like a fundamental building block, right? You have like an, an open expanse, like a text document, right? Like a, yeah. And you can put Microsoft Word in there. You can put your favorite note-taking app, you know, whatever. That's like one of the like fundamental building blocks of like written information is like that. <clears throat> and then this other one is like spreadsheets. And it's just it's such a profound, profoundly simple idea, right? Uh, and then Excel and all these other spreadsheet programs, because the like core idea is so great, have just laundry lists of features built on top of them that uh, are all these kinds of things you can do is deep, deep uh, sort of feature sets. But the sort of core idea of just what if stuff was in a grid uh, is a very powerful idea. So uh, we've we've been on a couple of shared spreadsheets, you and I. Uh, oh yeah. What is your what is your relationship with spreadsheets? Are you like me? Did you find that to be boring when you discovered it on the family computer, or did you? Did you... I found it to be scary at first because I feel like uh, I also had uh, an education that required me to do minimal spreadsheet work, and then it came up uh, in you know in in first jobs and I had to try to use them and I didn't know what I was doing. Uh, you know, like I can put, I can put numbers in a grid. That's fine. But there's all kinds of formulas and locking things in place. And that was scary at first, but now I kind of like it. Cause there's a, uh, there's a lot of fun stuff you can do. And I mean, it, it's all, it could be, uh, it could be anything. Like you could make a spreadsheet, a game, you could make it anything really. It doesn't necessarily have to be boring numbers and finance things, even though that's usually what it is. Is that usually what it is? Yeah. I mean, I think so. I'm pretty sure that's what it usually is. You put you put all the money that you made on this column, all the money that you're going to lose on this column, and then you add them up. Something turns red, something turns green, something turns black, something like that. That does describe a lot of my spreadsheets, for sure. I know how business works. I get it. Yeah. But it, it, the thing it makes me wonder about uh, is how, if there are, I mean, I'm sure there are. There are surely other profoundly simple ideas about how to structure information and it's really just a way of like visualizing information that's like slightly different from just you know a block of text uh yeah. you know you could like tab in a block of text to like still make columns this idea that you have like columns and rows like all of a sudden transforms from just a block of like unstructured data to like hyperstructured data and the idea of like key value pairs and like the properties of an element like all just kind of like flows naturally from this idea of just putting things in a grid and i'm sure there are other like simple twists on how to visualize information that would have similarly impactful like changes in the way people thought about stuff like i feel like my frankly overuse of spreadsheets uh in my adult life has like actually changed the way that i kind of think about things uh like it's it's a it's a more faithful mapping of how like information lives in my brain which changes how i kind of think about stuff when i put things mm -hmm. in spreadsheets yeah and i feel like there's got to be other things right like it's got to be like if you just put information on a sphere or in a 3d matrix you could explore you know with augmented reality or something uh, I, just, I feel like there's there's a lot of power in that structure hey, another good structure that i think is similar and kind of like in between a block of text and a spreadsheet is just a list like lists are very powerful uh, there was a, there was a website for a long time. What's it called? I'm trying to think of my, so my favorite list website. Whoa, crap. Uh, but anyway, this, this app is very great because it's just, it's a list and the whole feature is just that you can nest the lists infinitely. Like any item of any list can also be a list. 
and you can okay. just keep going uh, and just keep nesting things. And that also is like that amount of structure with those that, that very simple tool, you can do so much in the way you sort of change the way you think about information. And I think the same goes for a spreadsheet, which I think is a very beautiful, like that to me is like the highest, the highest calling of the work you and I do, like designing things is being able to design a new way to display something that changes the way people think about the thing that's being displayed like in a structural way. Right. Is this something you think about at all? Uh, yes, it is. I feel like the, uh, the, the early example of this, it's, it's, it's a simplified example of this, but I feel like one of the first that caught my attention was when I, when, when you remember in school, you learn about the guy who, uh, put parentheses around a phone number, the first three digits of a phone uh, number, Sutner. And you're like, wait, what? Somebody made that decision? I did. I've never heard that story. Actually, I didn't know that. that oh, okay. was like, I mean, well, obviously, I know somebody did it first, but I didn't know that was like a like a named person had had invented yeah. that. I that can pattern. remember. I can remember finding that out and realizing, like, oh, somebody invented that simple idea of just like breaking up the numbers this way. You put parentheses and then you put a hyphen. I get so mad when people don't do that and they just put hyphen hyphen. Here, Andy, I'm gonna give you my phone number. It's one two three four. Yeah. One two. Yeah. One, two, three, four. Yeah. You remember that, right? You're going to get a bunch of spam calls now from our listeners. They're going to ring you up and they're drunk. No, they can't because I just gave it to them in an insane pattern. That's They'll true. Never remember. <laughs> they're never, they're never going to be able to listen to it backwards and like, uh, you know, play it in a different like tone or something. Yeah. No, that, that pattern is very... <clears throat> like it, it affects the way you see it and affects the way you say it. And then I can remember finding that out and then going real deep on Wikipedia and being like, what other people made these weird little choices that stick with us forever. Um, I think spreadsheets are bigger than that because it's not just, well, there's kind of two things, right? There's the, at some point a spreadsheet was invented on paper. And then at some point somebody decided to put that into a computer. And that is like, uh, that's a pretty exponential change from like drawing it on a big tabloid sheet, erasing all the things and changing it. Like, I feel like they're almost fundamentally different things because of how hard it would be to edit an old spreadsheet versus what it what a digital spreadsheet is yeah i agree uh and that's 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 a very interesting aspect of it too right because to me a spreadsheet is a digital form of it like obviously i know that it came from some sort of physical manifestation of it but there's so many things that are fundamental to the digital aspect of it that to me are like part of the core identity of what a spreadsheet is right like yeah right like sorting is pretty important exactly and uh that's not (laughs) that's not showing up in your tabloid sheet sorting and also like i i think the process of making a spreadsheet like saying all right i've got this information that i need to like record or share with somebody or whatever i think the process of making a spreadsheet can be extremely clarifying like it's it's a very like helpful like step to go through when you're trying to process information to like put it into something sort of rigid and structured now this is especially true when we're like you know planning a software product right like uh, just today, I was making a, a very boring spreadsheet, but it's this one of our clients has this enormous form that they have to sort of send out to certain certain people in their orbit that's got like, you know, three dozen questions and all these kinds of conditional things where if you answered this over here, you get these extra questions. And if you answer this other thing, you get these other questions over here. And it's this big, complicated sort of web. And mm-hmm. the way they gave us the, the sort of spec was like in a big long word document where it was like here's what has to happen and as i sort of read through this document and translated it all into like a spreadsheet with rows for each question that was being asked and properties for when it was displayed and all that kind of stuff uh as i was doing that i reorganized the spreadsheet like three or four times like i you know at first i laid it out i was like i have these 
columns. These are going to be the attributes in this order. And then I halfway through was like, actually, I'm going to add this other attribute and go back and add it to those other previous questions. And then, you know, partway through, I was like, I'm going to change the way I'm structuring that instead of this being, uh, you know, one field where I like have a value written in it in a dropdown that's sort of from, made from a select. I'm actually going to separate this out into multiple fields and put like checkboxes in the fields to indicate mm. that sort of aspect of it. Uh, and that process of like that revision to me is like part of why spreadsheets are great. Like I almost never, there are very few spreadsheets in my life that I like look at when they're done. Right. Uh, and there are many things I have that I'm tracking kind of constantly and I use a spreadsheet to keep track of things. But sometimes I make one just to like make sense of something. And then once I've made it, I can like look over my kingdom and be like, ah, yes, now it all makes sense. All the, all the pieces come together. And oftentimes like that is the, the valuable step in and of itself. But that revisionary process obviously couldn't happen in paper. You would get halfway through and be like, oh, I want to change how I structured this. And you would just say, well, I can't. I'll just keep doing it this way <laughs> and yeah. can't give up. Uh, and that's part of it for me is that, that sort of being able to revise. Well, you said you said you maybe think in spreadsheets now. Like, uh, I don't think I'm that deep. I don't think the problem you just presented, I would even do that way. I think I would do that a completely separate way. How, how would you do that problem? As, that's a very interesting little case study. Uh, I, would def, I would do like a nested list of things and be like, okay, here's all the fields that you need. Here's all the possibilities that can come from those. And then I'd probably just start to draw it because uh, at some point you're going to have to visualize those in like fields and forms and drop downs and things like that. Um, but the a spreadsheet version, that isn't the most intuitive for me at least. That doesn't sound like that would be super helpful. I do understand that ultimately it will be a database that is basically a spreadsheet. Uh, just not not always visualized that way, but um, you know the front. You know I have to see the front part of it and be like, okay, I think uh, these fields and forms are going to go here based on this big list that I have. Yeah, it was an interesting problem because I had to like translate everything from this word document, as I said, and part of translating it was also revising it. So there were certain things that couldn't work out the way the person had described them for whatever reason, and there were certain ways that like because I've been part of planning projects with complicated forms. I had some idea of how this question should be structured. And, you know, I, I made a lot of revisions as I was going. And so the spreadsheet allowed me to both be like extraordinarily specific. So there was no room for misunderstanding, right? Because every row is yeah. one and only one question. And if there are a limited set of values that are accepted for this question, they are in the possible values column of that thing, uh, which I appreciate that clarity. I think it's very helpful. And the other thing it allowed me to do was well. Actually, uh, here's a question: do, Does that cl is that clarity for you, or can you send that to somebody else and they're going to get it, or is that just like some people look at that and just go, "Oh, this I can't. I don't know what to do with this." I, I can't attest to what goes on in other people's brains. I don't know what happened when I sent this to uh, to these people we're working with, uh, but I made it with the intention that it be the shared document that represented our shared understanding of what this form is supposed to be. I did not make it for me because uh, mm -hmm. if it were me, I probably would have actually like skipped way more steps and just like started building the thing or whatever right uh but i had to both like document the thing as it was in a more consistent way and also give specific notes for like what i was changing and why so that someone could go down and see my edits and then like approve them basically and say yes mm -hmm. we actually are just going to ask for full name instead of first name and last name which we could do a whole podcast episode about just that matt because <laughs> It's, this has come up for you all the time where you're working on a project and someone's like, oh, we have to collect first and last name here. And you say, oh, actually, that doesn't make sense. Lots of people don't have first and last names. Their names are more complicated than that. It's not just, mm -hmm. you know, surname, uh, you know, first name, last name. Uh, we should just say full name. And if you want 
some way to address your emails or whatever, we can also ask for a nickname. I can't tell you how many times I say this to people. And to me, this is like just a total no-brainer, right? Like, I can totally understand how you've never thought about it before. You would say you want first name, last name. I can't conceive of why after you hear the explanation of like, yes, you're just in a culture that happens to have names structured in a consistent way, but that's not how names work the world over. Uh, and mm-hmm. by the world over, I mean also just in America because there's all kinds of people from all kinds of places here with all kinds of different cultural backgrounds. Uh, I can't understand how you'd still want to do that. And almost every time I talk about this with a client, they're like, yeah, but let's just do first name, last name. <laughs> does this? I can understand that. This- I mean, I, I understand what you're saying, right? But like, I feel like nine times out of 10 when that comes up, I mean, I'm also not, I don't suggest this all the time. This is clearly a thing that you've thought about a lot and suggest a lot. I don't suggest this all the time. But uh, I feel like nine times out of 10, I'm working with something that there's some sort of inherited data structure or system or something. Like that came from somewhere, you know? I guess if I were building something from scratch, that might make sense. Um, but like very oftentimes you're working with an application that exists, has existed with some sort of user data for long enough that we're not going to change that part now. Oh, but I think you should. I think you should advise your clients to. So, like, it, uh, it's just it's a whole thing. So, like, if, you're, if you've are if you got a database full of first name, last names, right? Yeah. Just make a new record. Keep the first names and last names in there in case you ever want them so you're not ever deleting or removing any data. And just concatenate them and put it in the full name field and start collecting real people's names from here on out as full names. But the, all the examples I'm talking about are people that are like, this is a brand new thing. Like, this is just your email newsletter sign-up form, or this is just your, you know, whatever thing where you want to collect people's names for their like, mm-hmm. user accounts or something. And I, there's something weird where, like, people seem to think it's, like, more work to collect full name and nickname. Like, the way they say it, it's like, oh, yeah, I understand that that's more accurate, but let's just do first name, last name, as if it's easier. Like, and I, I don't know, I don't know what it is, but, like, I've come across people where, like, they've kind of written it off, and I've been like, hey, just, you know, don't want to push too hard on this, but it is just objectively better, and it ex- takes exactly as much time as doing the other thing. It seems silly to, like, well, leave people hanging. Well, I could hanging. see... I could see the other, like, if it's just purely devil's advocate, I can see the other side of it where asking for full name is asking for someone to enter the same amount of data as first name and last name in their brain, right? And then asking for an optional nickname, or or maybe not optional, now you're asking for a third piece of information, whereas previously it seemed like first name, last name is the equivalent of full name, so adding nickname is another barrier, it's another, like, piece of friction that prevents you from getting to the end process, right? That's we're talking. That's some. That's a real tight edge there. The the. the I don't know. I mean, I feel like every, tiny like, little points because it's already two fields, every, right? But I feel like our job is those tiny little points. Like, oh, uh, I don't have think you not so, been in a meeting that you argue over like one or two fields for thirty minutes. I have. <laughs> it happens. Like sometimes you're like you've been working with a product for so long that people have strong opinions about what specific field goes in the form that asks you for the thing. You know, uh, I can see that. I just, to me, it's like, I will concede that it is not no cost, right? Like, mm-hmm. and first of all, I think the nickname field should always be optional. So don't make it required because it's weird anyway. Uh, so if it's optional, some people will be like, oh man, I had to type my first name twice. That that was an extra, I don't know, on average, what, five, six keystrokes that I wish I didn't have to type. Uh, mm-hmm. Same number of fields as first name, last name, of course. You still have the two fields. It's just, you know, one's got the full name in it now. I will not concede that is. I will concede that is not nothing. That is something. Uh, but to me, the difference between that and somebody who arrives at the form and like literally can't type their name into it because it doesn't fit in the fields you've given them, like 
the percentage difference there in like the the how good of a job you're doing is so much broader on the other sense where people just can't type their name into the field or are forced to hack their name up into awkward pieces to make it fit into the weird structure you've imposed upon them. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It just seems so it seems like such a no-brainer to me and I've both run up against people that just seem to not care uh but were like this way must be easier and I was able to talk them out of it. And some people that were like adamant that no, we are taking first name last name and I never got a great reason why, but they were certainly adamant. They were did not want a full name field. So, boy, I could do a whole episode about that. But, uh, but yeah, anyway, so to go back to where I was talking about, in this spreadsheet, I had to make, like, specific edits. Like, in this example, they said we need to collect first name, last name. I said we should collect full name and nickname. And I had mm-hmm. to describe in, you know, on all these different questions, which were, which were nested in this complicated, you know, blocks of text and all these kind of, like, deep uh deep layers of complexity i had to like call out specific things i had changed which was great in the spreadsheet i just made like a column of like notes on changes and then you could just look right down that column and see what things were changed and read my comments on how they were changed from what they originally were so i don't know i feel like um whenever anything gets to a certain point of complexity i feel compelled to put it into a spreadsheet like as soon as i'm talking to somebody about it and I'm concerned that something is being lost in translation and we're not communicating perfectly clearly. Uh, I'm always compelled to be like, now it must be a spreadsheet because that is the way we're going to get. <laughs> That's the only one true way we can like, it is the the most structured and clear way to present information in such that there can be no amb- ambiguity or confusion. So I'm how always, do you deal always with, pushed there. How do you deal with people who love to communicate in spreadsheets, but have no idea how to format them or Maybe it's not even the right place. Maybe they're just putting huge, big paragraphs inside of cells that make it impossible to deal with it. Are you one of these people? What do we do with this? I don't put big paragraphs inside of cells. Uh, there are some things that people regularly use spreadsheets for that I actually don't think they should. Uh, like, for example, I hate looking at the results to a survey where someone's had to like write extensively in answers Mm -hmm. in a spreadsheet. Mm -hmm. I I can't do that. I I really don't. (laughs) That's not, that is not a helpful way for me to like read that information. I actually don't think spreadsheets are very good for reading information. Uh, at least not like long form. Uh, so, so yeah, basically I think, um, I don't ever, I've never gotten a spreadsheet from somebody and been like, man, I wish they hadn't sent this. Uh, because even if it's not structured the way I would structure it, there is so much, there's so much information embedded in it, right? Like it's a rich format. You can glean so much from it, even if you have to put a little bit of work in to kind of get out whatever the person put into it. Uh, so, so yeah, the people that use spreadsheets differently than me, I don't know. I think it's great. I think it's great that it's flexible. Uh, and I think there is a big difference between a spreadsheet that is designed for you to put your own brain home in order uh, and a spreadsheet that's explicitly meant to communicate with others. And if your goal is to communicate with others, you know, that's that's a whole that's a lifelong mission to learn how to communicate with others right whether you're using <laughs> whether you're using spreadsheets or not so uh i have a couple of sort of low level recommendations for people out there that maybe are like spreadsheets are boring i don't like them at all what do you mean you like spreadsheets uh first i want to talk about a couple tools that are helpful to kind of like change the way you think about how you use spreadsheets perhaps because uh it took me a long time to realize all the things they could do and how powerful they were. Circling back, the list-making application I referred to earlier is called Workflowy. My friend responded to my text message uh, and reminded me of the name. So Workflowy with, with a Y. And that's just an app where you can have 
n number of lists embedded inside of other lists. Uh, I know my buddy uses it to keep track of all of his recipes, uh, and I've seen people use that tool for all kinds of stuff. Uh, it's great because you can collapse any ones you don't want to see, and it just allows you to kind of like infinitely nest things down, uh, which is great for some information. The next recommendation I want to make is to people out there that don't have not used spreadsheets much, don't think they're cool, don't really like them. Uh, there is a product that I f have conflicted feelings about, but can highly recommend to people that are interested in like exploring spreadsheets more. And it's an app called Airtable. Have you ever used Airtable, Matt? Actually, yes, recently. Uh, for uh, actually for a job that's very similar to what you described, like a very long application process. Airtable was a big part of their process before working in a custom app. Uh, but tell me more about Airtable. I was actually looking it up the other day because I was thinking about using it for something. Yeah, so Airtable's cool because it is it takes most of the things that a regular spreadsheet application can do, but is buried somewhere in some menu under some like impossibly useless label that you would never know what it was. Uh, mm -hmm. And it like makes those things, it services them so that you can like more clearly uh, use the service to like make something useful for yourself more quickly. So if you're not familiar with how to make complicated formulas and uh, you know uh, filter tables and stuff in spreadsheets and like how to do stuff like that, uh, you can use Airtable and it makes all that stuff way more user friendly. It's like their entire product is like, what if the things that spreadsheets were good at was more user friendly for the most part? Um, so they have like a bazillion starting templates you can like start from. Uh, mm -hmm. and they are a little more structured, actually, in the sense that every single spreadsheet in Airtable is actually just, like, a table of a database. Like, the rows have to be, uh, like, objects, basically, and the columns are the, you know, attributes of that object. There's no, like, there's not flexibility there, but that's how you use 99% of spreadsheets anyway. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a really great way to, like, learn about it, and they have all these other cool features and integrations with other services, and you can view your spreadsheet in other formats. I don't know why you want to do that because spreadsheets is the one true format, but if you want to take that <laughs> data and view it in like a, you know, uh, drag and droppable like Kanban list, uh, you know, in the style of like Pivotal Tracker or Trello or something, you can do that. Or if you wanted to view it in like a, you know, like a gallery of images, you could do that too. Uh, so it has all kinds of stuff that's really interesting. I personally don't use it for anything. I tried it out when I became aware of it, but one of the other things that I want to talk about re-spreadsheets that's very interesting to me is that spreadsheet applications are extremely bloated, right? Like, they have so much in them. And I assume this was because Excel was, like, the first widely used spreadsheet program and all those early Microsoft programs because they were, like, the only programs people had in their computers just got full of every single possible feature. And yeah. because Excel is used in a business context where I'm sure there's lots of businesses out there with spreadsheets that are... 10, 15, maybe even older, uh, maybe 10, 15 years old, maybe even older that are like part of their business process. I think that Microsoft would probably run up against a lot of complaints if they were to remove features from uh, Excel. And so as a result, everyone expects the Google Sheets of the world and the numbers of the world to do all the things that Excel can do. So you get a lot of sort of those features carried over. And the end result is that like spreadsheet applications just have so many features, so many things they can do. So much so that I would say, Every time I've ever had a spreadsheet I was working on and I was like, I wonder if it's possible for spreadsheets to do this. The answer was yes, it is possible for <laughs> spreadsheets to do that. Uh, and I just had to figure out how. Uh, and normally, you know, uh, we're, we're getting kind of deep on design this episode, which is which is fine. That's the thing you and I are both interested in. Normally, well, we're talking I, about grids, Andy. What do you expect? Normally, I... <laughs> nice. 
uh, normally I really loathe feature bloat, right? Like I want people to make simple applications that do one thing or a small handful of related things and do those things very, very well, very reliably. Uh, so I can then, you know, chain them together in my life into some bigger workflow uh, and know that each of the sort of individual pieces are trustworthy. Like I don't want my to-do list application to also send me reminders or also put stuff on my calendar or also allow me to export things to whatever. Uh, I just want stuff to like do one thing, do it well. Uh, But I find myself conflicted because the fact that spreadsheets have basically every feature in them is great. <laughs> like, I, I love it whenever I find one of those new features and I'm like, oh, this is a brand new thing. And it's interesting because, like, one of the things about the lack of the focus of, uh, of another app, just doing one thing and doing it well, is that that's kind of really just a focus of, like, capitalism in the sense that in order to sell this, it must do one thing and do that one thing well, and we have to be able to explain it easily. And most importantly, people need to be able to figure it out quickly because people have very low attention spans, and if they don't understand the value they're going to get out of this thing within the first 30 to 45 seconds of using it, there's no chance they're going to continue to use it or ever give us any of their money or whatever. Uh, so that's kind of the motivation for why things end up being so simple. Uh, and there's other arguments for why things should be like very very usable obviously it's just like good overall for things to be usable because it lowers the barrier of entry to people uh and it also makes it so people that don't have you know abundant free time can like learn how to use something people that have some kind of uh you know use technology differently maybe they're uh you know slightly vision impaired or hearing impaired like making something very usable can also improve accessibility for people like that so there's other reasons too but really the main reason like the, the the reason that design and and, and technology cares about is the getting people to use it and give you money reason and the thing about spreadsheets is that spreadsheets do not sell themselves (laughs) there ain't no spreadsheet application out there i mean that's really what when you look at something like Airtable, that's what Airtable is that's somebody trying to turn spreadsheets into a company where they're going to like sell you the features of spreadsheets and the number of things they go into great detail about you're able to do in Airtable. Uh, is shows you what you can do in spreadsheets, and you can do even more in actual spreadsheets, normal spreadsheets. So it's interesting to me that like here is the most bloated, the least like focused kind of application that I use on a regular basis, and yet in some ways I love it. Like I love that it's just got every feature, and you know it's not intuitive and it's not uh, easy to use, but it rewards my continued effort in it, and it just like gives me all the power, right? It's like here. Here's a big, enormous pile of tools. Do what you will with it. We're not going to teach you how to use them. We're not going to like tell you which of these tools might be best for you. We're not going <laughs> to make us easy at all. But you know, here's a here's here's something you're empowered with. How do you so feel this about is more, that? This is more like you you using a puzzle game than using any sort of software. You're just happy playing the Minecraft spreadsheet game or whatever. Yeah, it's like if somebody just gave you a bunch of like tools and raw materials and was like, here you go, have fun. Which I mean, that's what I want. That's what I want computers to be, right? Uh, and it, It's your digital Legos that you always wanted. Basically, I mean, like it rewards curiosity. Like spreadsheets, you need to have a curious approach to them where you're like, I wonder if I can do this. And this doesn't seem like exactly right. What if I did it a little differently and try a couple different ways? And if you don't approach them like that, if you're just like, Here's cells. I got to type stuff in them. Oh, this thing doesn't fit. Boohoo. Spreadsheet's bad. It's not going to be, you're not going to get anything out of it. Uh, yeah. So there's something kind of beautiful about that to me that it's like, this has just evolved from people largely 
probably lots of engineers and nerds using spreadsheets for 30 years on computers and continuing to add features to them because they wanted to add features to it. And at no point did they say, we need to like care about how we make this appealing to consumers, right? This is a tool for like us to like do stuff. Uh, and that's, yeah. and that's what we want. Uh, and that to me is something very beautiful. And I think sets it apart a little bit from other, other like mainstream pieces of software. Well, I think that, I think one big difference too is like, despite it having every feature in the world, it doesn't do the thing that other software does where it makes that new feature the most prominent thing and... Nothing's uh, the most prominent makes, thing. Flashes it in front of your face. There's no hierarchy you. whatsoever at all. Well, it's I mean, there's menus the, upon menus. Well, I was going to say, it's, there is one basic piece of the interface which is just like a grid and you can fill it in with numbers. Like, it's hard to find all the other stuff. Maybe you can find a, a sum button or uh, change the font size button. But, like, for the most part, all those other things are just totally hidden. You can't find them as opposed to something else where it might be like, hey, new feature. I'm going to scream at you for a while about it. Come check me out. Because uh, that's not a – I guess that's not the business model. I feel like the, the business model is just – it's like an Amazon thing where it's just like we just got to keep them here. If we just keep them here, they'll use all the other Google stuff or they'll use all the other Microsoft stuff. But uh, no one's getting excited about spreadsheets except for you. People like spreadsheets, okay? I'm not alone in this. I like spreadsheets too. I think they're great. I don't think I don't think I get as excited as you do about them, but I think that's I think that's great. I think that's good for you. I find it very like soothing and meditative to <clears throat> put stuff into a spreadsheet. It calms my mind to be like, ah, yes, everything in its place. <laughs> Let's put all <laughs> this in a spreadsheet so that everyone understands. <laughs> yeah. Well, how do you feel about a silly spreadsheet? Oh, they can be a lot of fun. I like those quite a bit. A nonsense, a total nonsense spreadsheet. Yeah, those are fun. I do like those. All right, so I want to wrap up first by just naming some of my favorite spreadsheets, or at least spreadsheets I, I go to the most often. Uh, yep. As you can imagine, I, of course, have a complex array of wedding planning spreadsheets. Uh, they are very thorough. I appreciate all the math they are doing. We're comparing our initial estimates for things versus actual costs and mm-hmm. you know, making graphs of how much of the things we've paid for versus how much of the things we expect to have to pay for and costs over different months. It's good. Very good spreadsheet. Like it a lot. That one's good. There's also uh, a, of course, extensive uh, spreadsheet of all of the sort of people related to the wedding. Everyone invited in different ways, all yeah. the mailing addresses, uh, which and actually, I actually here's... I have a thing to say to you about that. Uh, I think that might be one of the most useful spreadsheets I've ever put together because you'll put it together for your wedding, but then you realize then you, you have, have everyone's address in everybody one place. you've ever met in your life. <laughs> Everybody's all in one place. I open that all the time if it's like a birthday or something. Like I've got everybody's place that they live. I know what they gave me for my wedding, so I know whether to reward them or not on their birthday. <laughs> you know, all kinds of information. <laughs> you know whether to give them a treat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ooh, this person gave us a doily. Let's send them a pack of gum for their birthday. Yeah, exactly. Retribution. That's my retribution spreadsheet. Yep, that's a good one. Uh, I got all excited to do my mail merge into InDesign with all those addresses when the time came. That was fun. Uh, lots and lots of fun there. Uh, so I also have a, a you know a bunch of like boring, my own personal financial planning spreadsheets for all kinds of stuff. Uh, one one I want to highlight because this was like the most recent time I learned something new about spreadsheets that I didn't know previously. Uh, I have a spreadsheet that tracks. <laughs> so uh, every once in a while, you know, I spend some money on a magic card, right? Like a somewhat expensive magic card. Uh, and magic cards are kind of like stocks because they have a market value over time. There's tons of websites that will map 
the sort of price of a card over a certain time period. Uh, and I was getting frustrated that I was like not remembering what I paid for certain cards and when I bought them. Uh, and so what I've sort of done is I've gone through and made a spreadsheet that has all of the like, you know, expensive-ish magic cards that I've purchased uh, in my time as a magic player. Uh, and almost all of them I purchased online, so I can go back and get like the receipts and stuff and get the dates from them. I put mm-hmm. it all together. And what this spreadsheet does is this spreadsheet pulls in the current price of the card from uh, a website that has the sort of price of the card using HTML scraping to go to the page and look for a specific div with a specific ID wow. and pull that value in. And then I have that number and I can like make graphs of all the differences and you know track my the value changes and relative changes over time. Uh, and that's a really fun one. I'm really enjoying that one right now. It's pretty cool. Can I tell you a fun feature, another fun feature that's going to add to this? Yes. Okay, so you, okay, so you have your price column, right? The what you originally purchased it by? Yeah, it's called purchase okay, price. You click, so you click on that. You select the entire column. Oh, I already then have. You, I already have the sum. Okay, column, then, if that's what and you're then what you do is you click on sum, and then you look at the sum and you go, "Oh no, <laughs> what have I done?" Yeah, it's 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 a number. It's definitely a number, is what I will say about the sum column. Yeah, but it's uh, not. It's it's not. Uh, it's it's more than one. It's it's a little more than one. More than a little more than two. I, hold on a sec. Let me run some math real quick. I'm gonna just check over here and see if this is greater than or, or less than one. Oh, it's greater than one. It's bigger okay, than good. It's bigger than one. That's uh, another spreadsheet feature. Yeah, it's you know, but that part of that is though just things over time. Time is time is a weird thing, you know. Like uh, mm-hmm. I, sometime we'll talk about this. I we I recently joined a gym, so that's the thing I'm okay. doing right now, uh, right. which is a whole other sort of thing to discuss at a later date, but. One of the sort of things I'm currently having existential dread about is the cost of this gym membership, which is like insane. And all I can do every time I'm in the gym is just to think like, man, if I'm a member of this gym for like 10 years, I could have bought like a whole other house with the, with the money <laughs> that I will pay this gym to like, that I'm basically paying people to guilt me into exercising because I don't have the self-discipline to go get free exercise. Because exercise is just free, Matt. You can just go outside yeah. and do it. You don't even want to tell you to exercise. That's true. <sighs> But anyway, time is weird like that. You know, a bunch of little purchases over time, they really add up. Numbers, yeah. they, just, they just keep adding up is the thing. Also, yeah, no one no one ever wants a stack. No one ever wants a stack of the stuff that they've done or things they've spent on. Just let it go. You never want to know. Yeah, it's weird. It's actually kind of weird. Hey, Andy, here's a box of all the Triscuits you've ever I've eaten. Noticed, I've noticed a lot of websites are, have been doing this lately. Like I heard on a podcast recently that apparently Mac Weldon, the, the underwear company that sponsors every podcast but ours, uh, they have a sort of summary of all the thing, all the money you've ever spent with Mac Weldon on like your account page. It shows you the number like added up. Which seems like a terrible idea. Why would uh, you do that? that yeah. be like, hey, you know what you're spending too much on? Us. Bye. Bye yeah. forever. <laughs> and there's there's another company. There's a company uh, that I've used to to get uh, made to measure like dress shirts. And I have like a couple because I needed dress shirts for like dress shirt reasons. But I introduced this website to a couple friends of mine who uh, are fancy boys. And they've purchased a lot of shirts over the time. And that website also has like a tab where it's like, here's all the money you spent with us, you ding dong. <laughs> like, look how much you spent <laughs> on shirts. What's You better look really hot. And I, it seems like a horrible idea. I don't know why people are doing that. I don't know, man. That seems like a bad choice. All right. The last thing I want to talk about is uh, I want to mention that if you are interested in the other artistic and creative uses of spreadsheets, uh, Kara Hopped, who is, uh, inter- I would say, internet friend of ours, uh, she has lots of amazing spreadsheets. She makes for lots of amazing reasons, and she gave a talk about it uh, at some point. So if you Google Kara Hopped spreadsheet talk, 
uh, you can see her talk about the cool spreadsheets he's made, including both really ambitious ones about planning out your entire life, uh, and like making enormous goals for like your entire existence, and also like cool art with the sort of colors of the cells. So that's something to check out. All right. There you go. Anyway, Matt, spreadsheets are objectively good. Can you can you even conjure an argument as to why spreadsheets could be bad? Go ahead. Try no. me. No, I don't think so. I think that's too challenging. Uh, how about this? Spreadsheets are objectively bad because seeing a visualization of too much data causes dread. And then you'll <laughs> you'll want to die. Well, not if Is it's good, good information. Well, if it's a spreadsheet of like puppies you've petted. Mm, I don't know. I feel like spreadsheets don't do that. I've never made a spreadsheet like that. You, you can't blame spreadsheets for information being bad <laughs> no well i don't know you can blame spreadsheets for showing you the information what if you just lived with your head in the sand and then you didn't have to worry about anything bad ever is that a good idea andy yesterday uh my dog had a runny nose so i looked up on webmd runny nose dog and webmd told me that it could be anything from my dog getting very excited that i am home or super cancer. It's a symptom of cancer. Yep. So I'm glad I know that. How about that? I used to. I used to be kind of. Uh, I don't know. I I felt like that was an indication of like the failure of WebMD for a long time and WebMD like systems that mm-hmm. it always said, well, it's either seasonal allergies or you're dying. Like those are the two options. But then I kind of realized that that's really the truth. Those are, that is the, those are the options. Like mm-hmm. the reality is just that medical science is not that great. We don't really know from a symptom, you know, what's going on, obviously. So mm-hmm. it's being very truthful in the sense that, well, it could be anything. So like basically yeah. it's just, it's being transparent in the fact that it does not know, which is the, the best thing you could ever hope for, for a website that purports to like tell you things about your health is that it be transparent about i not would knowing. say i would say a better representation would be a gigantic question mark and not listing the most benign thing and the <laughs> and the most deadly thing in the first paragraph that would be that's my guess matt i got a pitch for you for a new website you and i are gonna make yeah. called <laughs> i don't know it's the new webmd competitor you type in whatever your symptoms are and then it thinks for a little while we'll make a really nice loading animation you know mm-hmm. uh and mm-hmm. then it just pops up and says i don't know man it could be anything <laughs> better go to a doctor at least at least it would, you would go to a doctor and not think you had cancer right away yeah and i think i think that's a healthier website or, or how many or people how, about this? how many people have died of cancer because they were so worried about having cancer have you ever thought about that is there any uh is there any scientific proof that worry leads to cancer i don't know Look it up on WebMD. WebMD will be like, oh, worrying definitely causes cancer. Don't worry about it. Actually, do worry about it and get cancer. They they could also, if they were smart, they could just twist that a little bit and be like, you know what? You got a runny nose. It might not be cancer, and it might not be seasonal allergies. Boom. Same information communicated. Now you don't feel so bad because you didn't see a website that said you might have cancer on it. Yeah. Uh, Or, I mean, you could always just do the darkest version of that site and be like, could be nothing or uh we're gonna take away your sweet baby angel she's gonna die right now have you thought about that Who, wait Maybe that's a good idea for a website oh because you're talking about dog webmd right i was very yeah. confused i was like are you are you your own sweet baby angel <laughs> no i'm talking about my dog that that she is a sweet baby angel she's never gonna die she's living forever that's what i thought right she and Thanks, sadie are gonna live forever it's gonna be great <laughs>